Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor John Henry, and this is the podcast of Zion and St. James Lutheran Parish in Martin County, Minnesota. What you're about to hear comes from our Friday morning Bible class. Currently, we're working our way through some of the core topics of the Bible, like, for example, the Trinity, the sacraments, justification, heaven and hell, the end of time, those kinds of topics. Episodes will be recorded every Friday in Bible class, and they'll be posted as soon as humanly possible with God's help and with minimal editing. Enjoy. Okay, so last time we started with the Gospel of John. We saw that in the Gospel of John it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, Already indicating right there, referring to two persons who, who both are God, but are not the same person. Okay? And we then saw the, it says, the Word became or became flesh okay so the second and the the word is the son that was also in john chapter one the word became flesh and dwelt among us okay we also saw that it said in john chapter one no one has ever seen god at any time but then it said the only begotten of god or the only begotten son there's different translations and there's different some textual issues there, but it's a, but basically the only what it says is no one has ever what it means to say is no one has ever seen the Father. But the Son, the only begotten, the Word, has been making him known. Which means that if you that, that's the whole Old Testament, right? When people, when God reveals himself, in particular, when he manifests himself in a way that people can see. That is, we're suggesting, is the Son, okay? Meaning that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not just something that kind of starts to show up in the New Testament and then really gets defined later when we start making up creeds. That's kind of how people, you know, if you watch the History Channel, that's what they will tell you this Trinity thing is all about. In the Old Testament, there's just one God. And then in the New Testament, things get a little more complicated. And then after that, Christians make up all these things about the Trinity to sort of, you know, just because. Um, We're saying that's not true. We're saying that the Bible, that the New Testament says already from the beginning, it's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're saying that you can actually see that if you take Scripture seriously and you look at it closely and carefully, you can actually see that. So we saw a couple things. We talked about in creation, um, we saw that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved right there at the beginning. Following the Gospel of John, we went back to Genesis chapter 1, and we saw that there's God, there's the speaking of God, and there's the Spirit of God that are there before anything else, okay? And reading Genesis through John, which is the proper way to do it, right? We read the two Testaments as interpreting one another and clarifying one another. We're seeing already right there in the, in the first verses of the Bible, um, the Trinity. God speaks, God, his spirit, and his speaking, his word are there and active. Uh, and then we talked about um, 
The other big thing we talked about was how after the, after the fall, God spoke to Satan and said, who was the snake, and said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. He, your offspring, will crush your head. Okay? Talking already in Genesis 3.15, there about, about the divine human child of the woman who would come to destroy the works of Satan, sin and death and the devil. Okay? Remember that? All right. So, um, we, I want to, so that got us through Genesis 3. Let's go to Genesis 6 briefly. Um, just to put it mildly, the, the Bible stories that happen between Genesis 4 and, let's say, Genesis 6 with the flood, the things that happen between Cain and Abel and the flood uh, either get completely ignored because there's genealogies in there. And I mean, come on, you only got so many hours in the day. You're going to read a genealogy. Or there's also some strange things in there that people fixate on and try to figure out what these are about. And so they're, they're chapters of the Bible that are generally poorly understood and what I'm going to say here may not help you understand all of them but I want to one of the things that people fixate on is here in Genesis 6 it talks about in in verses you know 1 through 4 it talks about the sons of God and the daughters of man and the sons of God taking taking the daughters of man to be their wives and then there's giants, or Nephilim, and what are those? And that's all kind of wild and crazy stuff. What I want to focus on just, just quickly is, uh, and I'm not going to get into all that, because that would be complicated and probably controversial. But it's, it's, it would take us a while to kind of sort that out. Um, but in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, this is right before the flood. And God is observing and seeing that the sin and death and the dominion of Satan that uh, Adam has brought into the world is growing and increasing. And um, the, the uh, righteous ones who came from the line of Seth are diminishing. And so wickedness is filling the earth. And so God says, it's in verse 3, Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. So what this is saying is we remember, okay, that at the beginning, God's spirit was hovering over the face of the waters, right? The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And uh, the spirit is involved in creation, right? So the Holy Spirit is, yes, the sanctifier, but he's also connected with creation at the beginning. Wickedness and evil is increasing in the world. And wickedness and evil in the presence of God. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit never really is filling all creation, okay? From the beginning, right? He's hovering over the face of the waters. He's filling creation, 
Okay, so this is not talking about the spirit being in us, as in like our soul. This is talking about the Holy Spirit being in creation. And the word that is there translated abide in, there's um, a little footnote that that I think is the better translation that says, my spirit shall not contend with, meaning the Holy Spirit and human being and human wickedness don't don't mesh together, okay? That my, that my, you know, we talk about today about grieving the Holy Spirit, about, you know, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, but if you're continually engaging in acts of unbelief and intentional sins, you're, Paul talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, okay? This is sort of what's happening here, that the Holy Spirit who is in creation is being you know, the holiness of God and the increasing wickedness of humanity are not going to, it's not going to work out. And so God is saying humanity has 120 years left until the flood comes. Okay. So that's, this is, and the main point to notice here is that the Holy Spirit is here and active in creation from the beginning, and there are consequences of that, okay? Meaning, human beings are called by the Holy Spirit, right? Who is the, also the sanctifier, who calls us by the word of God, who calls us by his power to be conformed to God, to have faith, to, be fa- to have faith and be faithful to God. And here you kind of see a worldwide rejection of the Holy Spirit. So God says, my spirit is not going to continually put up with these people forever. They have 120 years. And then, and, then, and then what happens is all of that water that on day three of, or day two of creation that I put above, and then all of that other water that I put below on day four of creation, all that's just going to go, you know. So we're going to start building a boat, right? Um, Okay, let's look at Genesis eleven seven. This is just uh, this is again with the tower of this is the tower of Babel, which of course happens after the flood, um, and this is we've already I've already pointed out one example of this before, but there in Genesis seven or there in Genesis eleven seven, God says, "Come, let us go down." And there confuse their language. So again, it's this, let us, God says, God, you know, the picture you get is God taking counsel within himself. And, you know, there's a plurality within God that takes counsel. So again, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have one will and one work. It's not like they're all like, what should we do? And the Father says, well, I think we should do this. And the Holy Spirit says, well, I think we should do that. And then they say, okay, son, you decide, you go do it. You know, it's, <laughs> there's, when we hear this, let us do this, we're seeing that the works of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, while there is distinction in the way we experience them, they are, man- they are manifesting one will and one work together, okay? Okay, um, there's now, if I'm, we're going to, 
get into something here that is, it may be something you have not heard of before. I want to assure you that what I'm telling you is not something that I'm making up. And, you know, you know, Lutheran theologians have talked about what I'm about to talk about. And before we get into it, I want to remind you what we saw in John chapter 1. John, John expresses it this way. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It also says, since the beginning, no one has ever seen God, but the only begotten God, the Son of God, the Word of God has been making him known. So this word of God that's talked about, who is a person in John chapter 1, John says he's been around since the beginning, making God known. Okay? Now, if you look up, if you go on like Bible Gateway, and you set it for the ESV, and you Google the phrase, or not Google, you Bible Gateway the words, word of God in the Old Testament, you're going to get hundreds of results, okay, of the use of the phrase Word of God in the Old Testament. Many of those make the most sense just to say the message that comes from God, the things that God spoke that human beings hear. There are several very significant instances, though, of the use of the word Word of God, where it seems very clearly to be not talking about just a message that's heard, but a person who is seen and interacted with. Just like in the New Testament, the Son is the Word of God. So, let's look at uh, Genesis 15, verses 1 through 4. It says, Genesis 15, 1 through 4. This is, to, this is God interacting with Abram before he's Abraham before he was father of many, when he was just exalted father. Okay, So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Okay, so what you notice is there's this phrase is going to be is all over in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came. And, and a lot of the time, this is associated with, I mean, I can't, I don't know if I can, it's associated, when it, when it says the word of the Lord came to someone, it is almost always called a vision, okay? So what we need to maybe not have in our head is the idea that the word of the Lord comes to someone and they, I mean, most movies would, it, most movies about the Bible present this as being like a whisper or a voice that you hear, okay? But already it says it, is in, it comes in a vision, okay? Abram, it's, it, and literally in Hebrew, it's in a seeing, 
something that is seen and something that is not just, it's not just a voice that he hears or a voice that, or much less a voice that he just hears in his own head. It's something that is, that is clearly outside of him. It's something that is a, uh, and he talks, notice that Abram talks to it. He talks to the word of the Lord and calls it, he says, O Lord God, which means, which, which means he talks to it using, whenever you see the word Lord or God in all capitals, that's our English way of not writing the word Yahweh, which is kind of, it kind of makes it a little more complicated to understand what's actually in the Bible, but that's what we do out of, that's an old, old Jewish custom, but okay. So he, so Abram talks to the word of the Lord who is there in a vision and calls him the Lord God. Okay. Now this, this pattern here, the word of the Lord came and there is a vision. If it's just this one example here, you can kind of say, well, maybe it's just some weird wording and strange Hebrew way of talking. And you could still, you could still kind of make the case that this is, he's seeing God and the word of the Lord just means God's message to him. Okay. But remember what John had, we've already seen from John. The word is a person. The word has been making God known. And, and do, you, do you see what I'm suggesting here when it says the word of the Lord came to Abram? I'm suggesting that this means the son of God came to Abram and said, and Abram addresses him as the Lord, like Yahweh. Okay. Um, next one I want to look at is Genesis 6, 7 through 11. <clears throat> I'm sorry, 16, 16. And we're beginning at verse 7. Okay, so I want to, it says, it, all right, I'm just going to read um, verse 7 here, and then we'll talk about it, and then we will continue to read through the whole passage. But it says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. Okay, so this, the person, the her, is Hagar. We remember this very pleasant story in the life of Abraham and Sarah, where they knew they were supposed to have a kid. They didn't really think they could get the job done themselves. So Sarah told Abram, her husband, why don't you just, you know, try having a kid with my servant Hagar, and then that kid will count as mine. And then when that happened, I mean, this was obviously entirely predictable that this wasn't going to work out well course it doesn't work out well so Sarah then tells Abram that after Hagar has a child she's got to throw him out because now I'm jealous of this whole situation um, so Hagar is out in the wilderness and um, she's out there basically uh, you know to be cast out okay and it says the angel of the Lord uh, comes to her. Now this this is going to be if this is going to be okay, it's good to remember that the word angel in both Greek and Hebrew means messenger. Okay? So in some circumstances and in 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 uh in Hebrew the word is 
we'll just say MLK. It's pronounced Malak. And then in, in uh, Greek, it is Angelos. Angelos. Okay. These are the same, okay? And they both mean messenger, okay? And there's 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 situations there's situations in um, the Bible where a human being is called a malach or an angelos of God just because they're bringing God's message, okay? There are beings, you know, that we we think of as cherubim, seraphim, those kinds of things that are, but it, the word angel is not talking about a species of being. It's talking about what that being does. It shares a message, okay? And the phrase in, so it brings, like you were saying, Ron, it brings the message from God, okay? Okay. So, and human beings in the Bible, as they experience this, are hearing something that comes from God, okay? And, um, and it's, it's fine that we, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about guardian angels or we'll pray, let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. And that's all, that's all true. I'm just pointing out that the, that the word angel actually is translating the word messenger, okay? Um, and there's this phrase that is in the Old Testament that's, that goes angel, angel, of the angel of, and I'm just going to say Yahweh, okay? The angel of Yahweh. And this is a figure and a character that shows, I mean, there's pictures, there's places in the Bible where you see a whole bunch of angels, okay? Right? Um, this figure who is called the angel of Yahweh is kind of a unique figure. And he, he's going to be with us for our whole journey through the Old Testament now, okay? And this is where he first shows up, okay? And I want us to look at, I want, to look, I want us to look very carefully at this passage where he first shows up. It says, so it says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Okay, now just pause for a second. Saying, I will surely multiply your offspring is something that we've already heard God say that he will do for Abraham. Okay? We don't usually say, we don't usually think of angels like Gabriel being able to, or saying that they are going to multiply your offspring, right? That's an act of creation, isn't it? Okay? So already this angel is saying something that seems like it's something that would be more appropriate for God to say than an angel, okay? All right. 
And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So he's going to be kind of a wild child. Okay? And that, that, uh, that way of being a wild child is going to carry on into his descendants, okay? Um, and then it says, So she called, the, she, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Notice it says that. It's the Lord who is speaking to her, okay? It's the angel of the Lord who is also called the Lord, and who is, saying, who is saying he is going to do things that only God does, okay? Says, who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she says, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. So Bir Lahai Roy means well of the living one who sees me. Okay, so, okay, let's just, just to back up. Hagar has this encounter with this being who is called the angel of the Lord. Okay, we could say the messenger of the Lord. And both she and, and Moses, who is writing this, interpret and claim that the person that she saw is the Lord. Okay? Okay. So there is an there is an angel of the Lord who also is the Lord. Okay? These two things that I've just sort of introduced to you, the word of the Lord and the angel of the Lord, who both are spoken to and about as if they are the Lord. These are two theme, themes that are going to develop as we go through the Old Testament, okay? So just hang on to this. We, may, we might need to come back and look at these passages again. But these are going to be things that the angel of the Lord is going to come back and be the Lord in a big way going forward. In some very famous passages, he's going to show up. In some passages where we, where we are used to remembering it saying God shows up, for example, it's the angel of the Lord who is in the burning bush. Let's, well, there's a couple more. Let's actually go right now to Exodus 3, 2. All right, Exodus 3, 2. We've jumped ahead in our story a little bit. So we've gone, no longer are we with Ab Abram and Sarai, but then they were Abraham and Sarah, and then it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 sons and Joseph, and down into Egypt, and there in Egypt for centuries, and the Pharaoh turns against them, and Moses was put into a reed basket to save him, and put, you know, sent down the river uh, to save him from the Pharaoh, and he's found and raised in Pharaoh's household, and discovers, kind of comes to understand who he is, and sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and beats the Egyptian to death, and then has to run away. So he's on the lamb. He's out in the wilderness. He goes to the land of Midian. Uh, in the, and he's there for 40 years. In the land of Midian, you know, he meets a, he meets a local girl. Z <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Zipporah. 
and her father is Jethro. Okay, and uh, Jethro is actually, you know, the Midianites are descended from, this is a whole other topic, but the Midianites are actually descended also from Abraham. Okay, they are, the Midianites are going to be some of these Ishmaelites. Okay, remember she just said Ishmaelite, Ishmael is going to be a great nation. And then Abraham had a son Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Esau is also descended from Abraham. So the, so the Midianites, as best we can tell, are kind of a way that they talk about those who are descended from Ishmael and from Edom, Esau. They're kind of this mixed group of people, okay? But they are descended from Abraham and they carry in their customs and traditions at least some knowledge of the true God that Abraham worshipped, okay? So Moses meets Jethro, who is a priest of God, okay? And somebody who knows about who the true God of Abraham is, okay? So then Abraham, uh, uh, Moses is uh, working for his father-in-law, uh, helping keep sheep, and they go to uh, Horeb, the mountain of God. So here we are then in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mount of, mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, right, same person we've already seen, appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. So, the question then now, is this person who's in the burning bush, is this, who is this? It's been called the angel of the Lord. It's been called the Lord. It's been called God. Okay? So, this angel of the Lord then, it's becoming more and more unequivocal that there is a being, a person in the Old Testament who is called the angel of the Lord, but who is the Lord. Okay? Um, and then he said, here I am. He said, don't, don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Okay? So this is then pretty clear. That this angel, that this, so he sees a burning bush. This is the angel of the Lord. This is the Lord. Okay? Just to just be super clear, this doesn't mean that there aren't a bunch of other angels. There are. You know, in the New Testament, we get introduced to, well, actually, later in the Old Testament, we get introduced to an angel named Michael. And in the New Testament, we get introduced to an angel named Gabriel. 
And there are places where it talks about, uh, you know, Jesus says, don't offend children because their angels always see the face of God. So there are multitudes of the heavenly host, cherubim and, and seraphim, angels and archangels, Gabriel, Michael, million, or tens of thousands, millions of others. But this is a particular angel who we are understanding angel here to mean messenger of the Lord who is the Lord. Okay, and then what, what I'm going back to then, now why, why are we doing this? Going back then to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Okay? It says, No one has ever seen God, but the only begotten of God. Let's actually look at, at the, we'll just wrap up again real quick here to just kind of keep us tethered to what we're talking about. John chapter 1. So, John chapter 1, and I'm looking at verse 18. And then it says, No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. And then it says, the only God, or some trend, this what my, the ESV says, the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. This is what, what John is saying is, in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, what they would have just called the scriptures, when you see a story of someone seeing God, it is, you should understand that this is seeing the Son. The Son is making the Father known. Okay? Putting this together, the word of the Lord and this Yahweh messenger is the Son of God. And again, I want to just underline again, there are dozens of times in the Bible, maybe hundreds of times in the Bible, where when it says angel, it means what we would call a guardian angel or a cherubim or a seraphim or an archangel or something like that. There are also hundreds of times in the Bible where when you see the phrase, the word of the Lord, it means, it means exactly what we say in church, this is the word of the Lord. This scripture that we've read is God's message, okay? There are these times, though, and, I mean, John chapter 1 is a big one. You can't say that when John says, in the beginning was the word, he means, in the beginning was the Bible. He means, in the beginning was the Son of God. And then, based on what he says in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, who is the word, in parentheses, has been making him known. We should expect that John is not making, John is not the first one to call the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God. Okay? There are these places in the Old Testament where the Word of the Lord is pretty clearly a person who comes in a vision who is talked to. And there's, uh, I mean, the, the passage from Exodus chapter 3 that we just looked at, the burning bush, I mean, this is a passage of passages. Okay? This is like, this is where God reveals himself to Moses to bring the people out of Egypt. This is, this is a humongous deal. This is where, if we kept reading, this is where he actually calls himself Yahweh for the first time. Because Moses says, 
what's your name? And he says, I am that I am, therefore, okay? So this angel is, this, ain't, this Yahweh messenger has that name that you are not supposed to take in vain. The reason I'm bringing it up is because ne- this, these two figures, who I'm going to make the case are the same figure and are the Son of God, this just does not go away in the Old Testament. This keeps going. Thank you for listening. Join us live and in person Friday mornings at 8 a.m. at St. James Lutheran Church for Bible study. Join us for divine service on Sunday mornings, 8.30 a.m. at St. James Lutheran in Northrop or at Zion Lutheran at 10 a.m. in rural Fairmont. Check out our website at sjlnorthrop.com. Find us on Facebook at St. James Lutheran Northrop. Thanks again. God's peace.